0: Chapter Twenty Nine of Charlie to the Rescue by R. M. Ballantyne. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Esteban Simonides. Chapter Twenty Nine. They return to the ranch of Roaring Bull, where something serious happens to Dick Darvall. When Dick Darvall and Hunky Ben returned from the expedition which we have just described, they found all right at the cave except that a letter to Leather had been sent up from Bull's Ranch, which had caused him much grief and anxiety. "'I have been eagerly awaiting your return, Ben,' said Charlie Brook, when he and the Scout went outside the cave to talk the matter over, "'for the news in this letter has thrown poor Leather back considerably, and, as he will continue to fret about it and get worse, something must be done.' He paused for a few moments, and the Scout gravely waited for him to resume. The fact is, continued Charlie, that poor Leather's father has been given far too much of the bottle during a great part of his life, and the letter just received tells us that he has suddenly left town, and gone no one knows where. Now, my friend Leather and his father were always very fond of each other, and the son cannot forgive himself for having at various times rather encouraged his father in drinking, so that his conscience is reproaching him terribly, as you may well believe, and he insists on it that he is now quite able to undertake the voyage home. You and I know, Ben, that in his present state it would be madness for him to attempt it. Yet to lie and fret here would be almost as bad. Now, what is your advice? For some moments the scout stood silent with his eyes on the ground and his right hand grasping his chin, his usual attitude when engaged in meditation. Is there enough of dollars, he asked, to let you do as you like? No lack of dollars, I dare say, when needed, replied Charlie. "'Then my advice,' returned the scout promptly, "'is to take Leather straight off to-morrow morning to Bull's Ranch. "'Make him comfortable there. "'Call him Mr. Shank, so as nobody else think he's been the man called Leather, "'who's been so long ill with poor Buck Tom's gang. "'Then you go off to old England to follow his father's trail till you find him. "'Leather has great belief in you, sir, "'and the feeling that you are away doing your best for him "'will do more to relieve his mind and strengthen his body than tons of doctor's stuff. Jake their would remain to clear of him if he has no objection.' "'I rather think he would be well pleased to do so,' replied Charlie, with a laugh of significance, which the Scout quietly subjected to analysis, in what he styled his brain-pan, and made a note of the results in his mental memorandum-book. "'But I doubt if leather—' "'Shank!' interrupted the Scout. "'Call him Shank from now, so we all get used to it. "'Though perhaps it ain't of much importance, for most of the men that saw him here saw him in uncommon bad condition, and would hardly know him again. "'Besides, they won't likely be at Bull's Ranch, and the captain and troops that were here have been ordered down south.' still one can never be too careful and life and death may be in the balance your friend niver was one of the outlaws but it might be easy to prove that well then resumed our hero i was going to say that i fear that shank won't be able to stand the journey even to the ranch no fear of that sir we'll carry him down to the foot of the trap and when we get out on the plain mount him on one of the horses left by poor buck the one that goes along so quiet that they've given it the name of the wheelbarrow should i speak to him to-night about our plan ben no if I was you, I'd only say we're going to take him down to Bull's Ranch in the morning. They'll take his mind a bit off the letter, and then it'll give him an extra lift when he's on the rest of the plan. In accordance with the rain bench, on the following morning, a litter was made with two stout poles and a blanket between. On this, the invalid was laid after an early breakfast, and the blanket was spread over him, and the scout and Dick, taking it up between them, carried him out of Trader's trap. While Charlie Brooke, riding Jackson's horse, led the wheelbarrow by the bridle, as for Black Polly, she was left to follow at her own convenience, a whistle from Hunky Ben being at any moment sufficient to bring her promptly to her master's side. On reaching the plain, the litter was laid aside. The blankets were fastened to the horses, and Shank prepared, as Dick said, to board Wheelbarrow. "'Now then, Shank,' said the seaman while hooking his friend, "'don't be in a hurry. Nothing was ever done well in a hurry, either afloat or ashore. Get your foot well into the stirrup and don't take too much of a spring.' else you'll be apt to go right over on the starboard side. Up you go! The worthy sailor lent such willing aid that there is little doubt he would have precipitated a catastrophe against which he warned had not Hunky Ben placed himself on the starboard side of the steer and counteracted the heave. After that, all went well. The amble of the wheelbarrow fully justified the title, and in due course the party arrived at the ranch of roaring bull, but the poor invalid was confined to his room for a considerable time thereafter and became known at the ranch as Mr. Shank. One evening, Charlie Brooke entered the kitchen of the ranch, in search of his friend Dick Darball, who had a strange fondness for Buttercup, and frequently held converse with her in the regions of the back kitchen. "'I don't know where he is, Massa Book,' answered the sable beauty when appealed to. "'He's mostly somewhere around when he's not nowhere else.' "'I shouldn't wonder if he was,' returned Charlie with a hopeful smile. "'I suppose Miss Mary's not around anywhere, is she?' "'I shouldn't wonder if she wasn't, but she ain't here, Massa,' said the black maid earnestly you are a truthful girl, butter stick to that and you'll get on in life with this piece of advice Charlie left the kitchen abruptly and thereby missed the eruption of teeth and gums that immediately followed his remark making his way to the chamber of his sick friend Charlie sat down at the open window beside him how'd you feel this evening, my boy? he asked a little better, but-oh dear me, I begin to despair of getting well enough to go home, and it's impossible to avoid being worried, for unless father is sought for and found soon, he will probably sink altogether. You have no idea, Charlie, what a fearful temptation drink becomes to those who have once given way to it, and passed a certain point. I don't know it personally, though I take no credit for that, but I have some idea of it, I think, from what I have seen and heard. But I came to relieve your mind on the subject, Shank. I wanted to speak with Dick Nerval first, to see if he would fall in with my plan. But as I can't find him just now, I thought it best to come straight to you about it. Hello, there's Dick said Shank, bending forward, so as to see the place on which his friend's eyes were fixed. "'There, don't you see? Look across that bit of green sward, about fifty yards into the bush, close to that lop-pine where a thick shrub overhangs a fallen tree.' "'I see, I see!' exclaimed Shank, with a gleeful expression, banishing for a time the look of suffering and anxiety that had become habitual to him. "'Why, the fellow is seated beside Mary Jackson.' I and holding a very earnest conversation with her, to judge from his attitude,' said Charlie. "'Probably inquiring into the market price of steers.' or some th- absorbing topic of that sort. "'He's grasping her hand now!' exclaimed Shank with an expanding mouth. "'And she lets him hold it. Really, this becomes interesting,' observed Charlie with gravity. "'But, my friend, is not this a species of eavesdropping? Are we not taking mean advantage of a pair who fondly think themselves alone? Come, Shank, let us turn our backs on the view, and try to fix our minds on matters of personal interest.' But the young men had not to subject themselves to such a delicate test of friendship for before they could make any attempt to carry out the suggestion, Dick and Mary were seen to rise abruptly, and hasten from the spot in different directions. A few minutes later, Buttercup was observed to glide upon the scene, and sit down upon the self-same fallen tree. The distance from the bedroom window was too great to permit of sounds reaching the observer's ears, or of facial contortions meeting their eyes very distinctly, but there could be no doubt as to the feelings of the damsel, or the meaning of the swings to and fro of her body, the throwing back of her head, and the pressing of her hands on her sides suddenly she held out a black hand as if inviting someone in the bush to draw near the invitation was probably accepted by a large brown dog a well-known favorite in the ranch household rover for such was his name leaped on the fallen tree and sat down on the spot which had been previously occupied by the fair mary the position was evidently suggestive for buttercup immediately began to gesticulate and clasp her hands as if talking very earnestly to the dog i very believe said shank that the blacking ball is re-enacting the scene with rover see she grabs his paw and my friend said charlie we are taking mean advantage again and behold like the other parrot, they are flitting from the scene though not quite in the same passage this was true for buttercup reflecting probably that she might be missed in the kitchen had suddenly tumbled rover off the tree and hurried swiftly away from the spot come now shank said charlie resuming the thread of discourse which had been interrupted "'It is quite plain to dig into myself that you are unfit to travel home in your present state of health. "'So I have made up my mind to leave you here in the care of Honest Jackson and Darvall, "'and to go home myself to make inquiries and search for your father. "'Will this make your mind easy? "'For that is essential to your recovery at the present time.' "'You were always kind and self-sacrificing, Charlie. "'Assuredly your going will take an enormous weight off my mind, "'for you are much better fitted by nature for such a search than I am, to say nothing of health.' "'Thank you, my dear old boy, a thousand times.' "'As for Dick Darvall, added Shank with a laugh, "'before this evening I would have doubted whether he would be willing to remain with me after your departure, "'but I have no doubt now, considering what we have just witnessed.' "'Yes, he has found metal more attractive,' said Charlie, rising. "'I will now go and consult with him, after which I will depart without delay.' "'You have been having a gallop, to judge from your heightened colour and flashing eyes.' said Charlie to Dick, when they met in the yard, half an hour later. "'No, not exactly,' returned the seaman, with a slightly embarrassed air. "'The fact is, I've been cruising about in the bush.' "'What? Looking for redskins?' "'No, not exactly, but—' "'Oh, I see. Out hunting, I suppose. After deer, eh?' "'Well, now, that was a pretty fair guess,' Charlie,' said Dick, laughing. "'To tell you the plain truth, I've been out after a deer, full sail, and—' "'And you bagged it, of course. Fairly run it down, I suppose,' said his friend, again interrupting.' "'Well, there ain't no of course about it, but as it happened, I did manage to overhaul her, and coming to close quarters, I—' "'Yes, yes, I know,' interrupted Charlie a third time, with provoking coolness. "'You ran her on to the rock stick, which was unseamanlike in the extreme. "'At least you ran the deer aground on a fallen tree, "'and, sitting down beside it, asked to become Mrs. Darvall, "'and the amiable creature agreed, eh?' "'Why, how on earth did he come to know for that?' asked Dick, in blazing astonishment. "'Well, you know, there's no great mystery about it. "'If a bold sailor will go hunting close to the house "'and run down his game right in front of Mr. Shanks' windows, "'he must expect to have witnesses. "'However, give me your flipper, messmate, and let me congratulate you, "'for, in my opinion, there's not such another deer on all the slopes of the Rocky Mountains. "'But now that I've found you, I want to lay some of my future plans before you.' "'They had not been discussing these plans many minutes, "'when Mary was seen crossing the yard in company with Hunky Ben.' If Hunky would only stop, we'd keep quite jolly till your return, observed Dick in an undertone as the two approached. We were just talking of you, Ben observed Charlie as they came up. Are you going for a cruise, Miss Mary asked the seaman in a manner that drew the scout's attention. No replied Mary with a little laugh and anything but a little blush that intensified the attention of the scout. He gave one of his quick but quiet glances at Dick and chuckled softly, <laughs> so soon he murmured to himself certainly your sea-dog is pretty slick at such matters dick thought he heard the chuckle and turned a lightning glance on the scout but that sturdy son of the forest had his leathern countenance turned toward the sky with profoundest gravity it was characteristic of him you see to know the signs of the weather mr brook he said with the slow deliberate air of the man who forms his opinions on solid grounds there's going to be a bust up of the elements afore long as sure as my name's hunky that's the very thing I want to talk about with you, Ben, for I meditate a long journey immediately. Come, walk with me. Taking the scout's arm, he paced with him slowly up and down the yard, while Dick and Mary went off on a cruise elsewhere. End of chapter twenty nine. Recording by Esther Ben Simonides.